Yeah, yeah, yeah. Making her way to the mic. They start dimming the lights. You start feeling alright. From Birmingham, home of the Teddy Longs and the Ruben Stutters. More once you discover. For all of the lovers, Whitney Houston and Roman Reigns. For all of the lovers, and Mickey James and Marvin Gaye. For all of the lovers, and Sasha Banks, Janelle Monet, Silk, Sonic, and Paige. Allow me to say. Look, I just found a place we'd escape For every one of us I was kinda late Cause I just made it off the struggle bus Walking by the fate Cause I know it's right in front of us Yo, I ain't with the hate Gotta focus on what's great Ladies and gentlemen Steph Hardy is on the air Had to drop a couple bars Just to make you all aware So, sit back, relax, enjoy the show You know I go by Joe or the rest of Welcome to the Hardy Wrestling Podcast with your girl, Stephanie Hardy. And of course, you know, with all of the people that I've interviewed on this show, I am most happy to have these two on because they're people that I do look up to and people that I love and have worked with in the past. So, of course, welcome to my show. Of course, I'm your girl, Stephanie Hardy. Welcome to the HWP um, live lounge, I guess you could say. We're not live, but, you know, the lounge, whatever. Um, it's Emily May, who is an amazing Emmy-nominated producer and backstage wrestling correspondent and just all of the things. And we work together on Women's Wrestling Talk, the number one women's wrestling show on the planet. And I'm so happy to have her alongside her husband, who is an amazing wrestler who has just gotten around in all the places in Raw, SmackDown, NXT, Championship Wrestling from Hollywood. And even most recently, both of these people were on New Japan's battle in the valley with the press conference and also with the show itself boss haynes thank you guys so much for coming on hey thank you for having us thank you what an intro <laughs> and it actually is three of us not That's two true, yeah. this is figaro she loved to do podcasts so <laughs> she's gonna join us for a second yeah. she likes to oh yes just as much as we do unfortunately so it's gonna yes be a, i've a seen piece act for this show no, it's okay. I've seen Figaro like come on like plenty of times, so yeah. Yeah. I she completely get it. Recognizes your voice, like right. I think yeah. right as we started, she was like, "Oh, I'm running over!" Like she ran <laughs> and then jumped Aww. on, and yeah. and wanted to join us, so she'll sit right here. Um, yeah, here. that's fine. This is a pet-friendly place. We love all the animals. But of course, you know, like I said, I'm so happy to have you guys on because I've just been fascinated with you both and your story ever since, you know, like even, be well, before I even met you guys, like when I saw you guys on After Buzz Television, because I saw Boss first and then I saw Emily May later. But before we get into that, I want to ask you both, when did you both fall in love with wrestling? I have always been a fan of wrestling yeah. since I was extremely young and I, I knew it's what I wanted to do. I knew it's what I wanted to pursue. And when I first started dating Emily, she didn't watch wrestling at all. So I was oh, the one wow. that introduced you to professional wrestling. I knew of wrestling. I knew like, Oh, this existed. I, you know, cause I, I was a 
uh, a theater performer and all that. So I was like, oh, it's just another form of, <laughs> of entertainment. And so I knew of it, but then we've known each other our whole lives practically. And so when he, uh, like one of our first dates, I think was, we watched Raw with Well, it wasn't, it wasn't quite It a wasn't date. a date. It was like it was a pre-date. It was me inviding you it over to see how you got along with my friends. That's true. It was attached. Because I was like, I can't date somebody who's not going <laughs> to get along with my friends. Yeah. So I, I invited her over, and I, I forget who was all there. It was, I remember, it was uh, it was Joe and... Yeah, Joe Galley. Joe Galley, who's at the NWA. NWA. I've known him since high school. A lot of people don't. Oh, wow. Alana, it, was Alana. Alana. it was Alana. I know, we're, we're naming names here. Yeah. And then a few other people. I think significant others. I don't know if Mark was there. there. Maybe, maybe not. But oh, anyway, that was, our, that was our pre-date. Yeah. Uh, our, our pre... It was a test. And I was like, and I sat there the whole time and I was like, this is so cool. Yeah. I was like, this is amazing. Why did I not learn about this and know about this earlier? And then mm -hmm. from there, from there, it just, I guess you could say the rest is history. No, the well, rest, I mean, I mean, then I just it's, was, it's been was like, like, oh, it's it was a, a lot learning. of history. It was a lot of history. Because and I was like, oh, I got to we learn were, more about it. We were 18 and 19 mm. at the time. <clears throat> and we're older than that now. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Significantly older than that now. We were babies. Yeah. Um, oh. If it wasn't for her, I would not have pursued professional wrestling as a career. She's the one who told me to go for it. So she's the reason yeah. why I decided to pursue this as a career. So she's to blame. I know. I am to blame. blame. Sorry, blame everyone. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, so I so I remember, so I was going, uh, I was in college and I was studying theater and producing and production management. I did pretty much everything. I had like 14 majors and a bunch of minors. And I remember he came up to me and he said, hey, there's a new school in, if you're from Los Angeles, we're from Los Angeles. So I think it was Van Nuys, right? It was Van Nuys. It was Van Nuys. Van Nuys yeah. yeah. So he said, hey, there's a new school. It was like one of our summer breaks. And he told me, he said, hey, there's a new school coming out. Yeah. Uh, I, I have, you know, we're, we're all young, right? We don't have tons of money. We don't know how to get our start. And thinking kind of from my marketing brain and from my business side, I told him, I said, you're going to do it. You're going to go and you're going to talk to the, the promoters and the owners of the school. And you said, you know what? I am going to promote your school and I will put out flyers. I, yeah. I mean, back then we went around with money. flyers. I didn't have any money. We had time. no money. And he said, okay. Uh, I don't know about that. They're going to say no. Yeah. And I said, I remember this vividly, having this conversation. Yeah, I said, the I worst thing they can say is no. And then what happens if they say yes? Yeah. And you went, you talked mm -hmm. to them, and you did, yeah, you did the thing, and they yeah. said they said yes. Yeah. yeah. And that was that was kind of like the beginning of your your that was world my, my career. and your training. Yeah. yeah. And it was. It was two that March of two thousand nine, so the, the oh, anniversary. Holy cow! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was a while ago. <laughs> we're giving away things. Here. Giving away things. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, so and then, yeah, and I was uh, doing theater school, and so uh, mm -hmm. so I was just trying to like perform and do all of that. Yeah, yeah. So basically, you know, you guys sort of fed. Well, it's like you guys sort of fed each other's love for wrestling. It's like he introduced you to it, Emily, and then you encouraged him to pursue his dreams um, and actually go forward with enrolling in school. You know, you guys are in California doing the thing, trying to hustle, you know, and, and survive. But you sort of fed into him like, no, you should do this. Like you should, you know, 
try and the worst you can say is no that's so funny because my mom says that all the time like look the worst they can say is no and if they say no you just got to try you know do something else so it's good that you it's good that you guys had that sort of cyclical relationship where you guys just fed into each other in that way instead of you know like a relationship where one takes from the other and take and take Mm -hmm. and you know, there's no giving. It's just a reciprocal type of thing. And I love that. That's really wonderful. Yeah. We so, believe yeah. In supporting each other. Like that's mm-hmm. always been something that's really important is, is supporting each other in whatever the other wants to do. Mm-hmm. If they feel really strongly about it and they want to pursue it, then we support each other in, in that pursuit, whatever it is. Because yeah. there's been, there've been a lot of different been pursuits. A lot of, a lot of pursuits. And if they're important, then then that's what matters. Then we're gonna, we're going to support each other in trying to make whatever it is work. Yeah, definitely. So, with that in mind, like, what were some of the greatest lessons that you both learned from wrestling and also from theater and also sort of entertainment? Because Emily, you did mention that you did go to go to school for theater and in performance and producing. Like, you're a woman of many hats. So. Um, really for the both of you, what were some of the best lessons that you guys learned, you know, through your training? Yeah. I mean, I guess I'll start. I think the biggest, and which I still learn to this day and I try to value and implement is the biggest thing is listening and understanding different perspectives and understanding how and why things are a certain way. And also just I, I've always been a, a a student, a student of whatever subject or a student of life. And you always have to keep learning and you always have to keep improving. And that's the biggest thing. Those are the two things that I try to do every day is listen and communicate properly. Because sometimes if you're not communicating, I know I, you're laughing, but I try. Um, (laughs) You're communicating (laughs) your needs, communicating how you work with other people, because in any business, especially entertainment, you have to, you're connecting with people on a different level. You're connecting through this thing that you're passionate about, whether it's film or TV or movies or wrestling, like you have to connect with each other. And so a lot of that is listening and kind of that back and forth. And then you have to know your stuff. And you have to study and you have to practice, practice, practice. Yeah. Yeah. That's my, that's my takeaway. (laughs) And no, like listening is really important. Like that's, that's probably one of the biggest keys to performing is listening, not only to, to your coaches and to your peers, but to your audience to figure out what it is that works and what it is that Mm -hmm. doesn't work. And I think one of the, the, the lessons I learned that is the most important, but the hardest to actually put into practice is don't be afraid to fail. Everybody fails and you only learn from failure. There is no actual failure. Not really. It's just you learning the right way to not do something. That's really what it is. And it's absolutely terrifying when you're doing it. But after a while, it doesn't matter as much. And you start to lose that fear of failure. And then you end up going, well, okay, 
instead of focusing on what, what doesn't work, I'm going to focus on what does work. So I'm going to keep this that works. I'm going to keep this that works. And just keep taking little things and adding them to what you already do. Add them to your repertoire so that by the end of everything, you're going to have something that really works. You're going to be able to go out in front of an audience, wherever that audience is, and be able to pull out something that's almost, almost guaranteed to work. Every audience is different. And you have to you have to know that and really take that to heart. You can go out in front of an audience in one city and get a response. You go out in front of an audience in another city, and it's going to be it's liable to be a completely different response. So you have to be able to change what you bring to the table on the fly, and just don't be afraid to fail because it's going to be difficult. But then after a while. You're going to get the rewards from doing the, the the scientific research that is performance. Yeah. So basically what I'm taking from you guys is definitely listening and also just being able to adapt to certain circumstances, you know, throughout um, all of it. Because it's just like, you know, with that, like even when I'm learning what I'm learning every day is being able to adapt to people's schedules, being able to adapt to different circumstances or even technological, you know, even when you're cr creating content, like there's just so much that could very well happen. Not even, you know, that's in your control or out of your control. Yeah, so you I do have to be able to adapt to certain things and also listen to people because when you listen, it just lets people know that, okay, they actually care about what's going on or they, they care about what they're they doing. Matter. Yeah, I mean, that's right. like number one rule in any app class is listening like you have to like there's exercises where I've done where you're in a room and you you literally just stare into someone's eyes and soul and you can listen without saying anything and I yeah. think that's also an important lesson especially in wrestling is a lot of the communication and a lot of how you guys create this art in the ring is nonverbal. Mm -hmm. right and that's, that's an important lesson yeah and they say they say in acting that acting is actually reacting. reacting. That you aren't bringing something, you, you aren't trying to put something forward so much as taking in information and putting out information. So it's in performance, you have to, you have to see what's happening and respond to what is happening instead of just trying yeah. to do something. You're trying to create something cohesive. But that's like way into the weeds. Yeah, we don't have to get into that. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. then you also mentioned failing. Like that's something that's really hard for me to deal with because like I, I always am a perfectionist Virgo. So it's just oh, like Virgo. I always maybe too. Yeah, I'm a Yay. It's so it's just like right. we everything has to be right everything has to be perfect and then if it's not you just sort of freak out or you just cry like emily oh. like i understand that completely i mean how so many times just... have things gone wrong on all the podcasts we do and we're just like ah, oh god we're trying to figure it out <laughs> and like I, I i i've gotten you've seen it i've gotten much better in yeah. in in working on the fly and mm -hmm. just throwing away the perfection in the moment because you can't necessarily do that. If you focus on like, I have to be perfect, perfect, perfect in this moment, it's going to drive you crazy. At least for me, like I can't focus on that. I have to focus on listening, reacting, moving the story forward mm -hmm. and just being like, really, you really have to be in the moment because yeah. if you get into your head too much, your negative voices will take over and you won't be able to do anything. And I've had some major blunders. I've, I've fallen off chairs. I've dropped 
things. I've like accidentally things have flying flown across the the, the table. I've had oh. like cats put their you know their 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 butts in the camera. Like I've had so many <laughs> random things. I've had lights fall. I've had wardrobe malfunctions. I've had so many things happen, and you just kind of roll with it. Yeah. And you and I'm so dorky, and you find it endearing. <laughs> I do. I love but it. But I, I am it. so clumsy, so I've like knocked things down. I've tripped over sandbags backstage. Like it's, I you should yeah. It's I, I'm a mess sometimes. <laughs> but what's <laughs> but so I funny? It. I embrace it. Right. <laughs> yeah, but what's so funny is you're so fabulous in person. <laughs> like it's just like you seem so fabulous, and it's just like to to know that you're actually really like clumsy. I mean, that's funny to know, I mean, but you just I... seem so fabulous, like you know, on camera and also in person too. So you know, yeah, I, I, I mean, think that's I was, great. I mean, in high school, I did speech and debate, and that right. at, you know, I I did student council. I ran the spirit squad. I did I did speech and debate, which kind of broke me out of my shell a little bit. And then I also did drama. Uh, I danced, I sang. So I did all that, which was all a way for me to express and get all of this extra creative energy out. And, uh, and I was kind of, I was very, uh, I would, would you say nerdy? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. I was, I was very nerdy. I had my braces, my glasses. Yeah. I was the, the, the kind of the book smart girl. Um, always in everything, right? I was always doing mm-hmm. everything. I, yeah. I was the bad boy. And you were the bad boy. I was the bad boy. I was always oh. cutting oh. class <laughs> and never doing my homework <laughs> and always like figuring out my own way to get like through class. Like, But you had drama. So you yeah, did. I, so I you were drama. in the drama program yeah. and drama actually saved him in so many ways. Yeah. yeah. And helped him get through high school. And just like drama, you find your. When I did theater production, I found my 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 family. You find mm-hmm. speech and debate. I found my family, and that's you find your group that yeah. you stick to. And I'm friends with many of them still to this day. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's really good. That's just like for me, like choir was my family in high school. Yeah. So you know, that was basically you know my thing, um, along with a litany of other things, just like you. So that's pretty yeah. insane. And now we have wrestling as our other extended family. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. True. true. But I mean, and with. My extended family ended up kind of getting into wrestling. Like, like I have, I have two friends from high school. One ended up in <laughs> NWA, and the other one ended up in WWE for a time. So it's like all, all three of us from high school ended up in three of the biggest companies in in the world. With me being at New Japan. So and can I tell this cute story? Yeah, go ahead. You probably have questions. So one of so when I started dating him, one of the things his mom did was pull out this like book of memories. You know how moms do that? They're like, oh, baby pictures. Mm-hmm. It wasn't baby pictures. It was wrestling stuff. And she <laughs> found, so Brandon would have bounce house wrestling. <laughs> I'm telling the story in his backyard or front yard, but both. backyard both. And I it was, found it was, it was all of our it was uh, all of his best friends, and yeah. two of them are st- are now still involved in wrestling. And yeah. so they were doing promotions when they were 16, 15 yeah. or 16 years old. They're doing stuff in their backyard. And I they made a little flyer like with yeah. color pencil. No, 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 it was on the computer. It wasn't no, it wasn't. No, somebody else did that. Okay, we well, there was one I saw that was like hand yeah, done. And yeah. it was so cute. And it had like the whole the whole card and kind of everyone, the, the little matches. And it was so cute. And I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> 
That's cool. That's story, that story's ever been told. Well, I told I don't it. Think I've ever told that story. I told it before. It's so, an HWP exclusive. It goes no. deep. It goes deep. This love, and so then that kind of made me love, kind of love you even more. Just right. saying, it's cute. <laughs> oh my gosh, all of that. That is amazing. So that just goes to show, like, you really did manifest this life for yourself. Yeah. I Yes. Or I pushed you into it so much. Yeah, right. That... <laughs> I just like I have a really hard time with looking, taking a step back and looking at the whole thing, going, "Wow, look how far I came!" Because I really just put my head down and push my way mm-hmm. through things. Like that's that's how I yeah I adapt. But yeah, when when you put it like that, like yeah, well, maybe yeah. I kind of manifested this yeah. entire. Believe. Yeah, I believe. <laughs> I'm in I'm in this moment of manifesting many things right now. Yeah, so yeah. uh yeah, so you gotta believe in it. You that's really true. have to believe in it in your heart and then put it out there, visualize it, and then do the steps in order to make it a reality. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And Emily, since you mentioned, you know, how involved you were, you know, in theater and in um production and all of that, like what how is that sort of different from sort of like you sort of pursuing wrestling you know were you doing that at the same time as you being in school or did you or were they a completely separate you know times in your life yeah no that's a good question um so i kind of had like a really up and down um uh kind of relationship with wrestling because i was in college and I was actually started as Brandon's, uh, we don't really call them valets anymore, but managers, I guess. Whatever, lady manager. Lady manager um, Mm -hmm. uh, for his first wrestling character uh, uh, persona, which was the hobo. And so I was was the hobette. (laughs) And we served chili and we got had dumpster fights. And we did a lot of stuff. I got kidnapped at one point. Oh my god! I got kidnapped yeah, at one point, and yeah, there was a lot of stuff that went down. Uh, and I did that for a few years, because but I could only do it when I had summer break because I was still yeah, going right. to school. So I could she didn't do go it. to you didn't go to school in LA. I didn't you go to school in LA. To school in I California. went up north, so I could only do it during breaks. And so we tried to cram as much as we could. Uh, down, you know, uh, we were. We, we were on a, uh, we had a, sh- we were on one, re- uh, speaking of reality shows, oh, we were yeah. talking about, we were on one episode of Rhett and Link's, Rhett and commercial, Link's Kings. commercial Kings. Yeah. We the, oh, wow. We were the episode. first episode on U- so, UF, IFC. IFC. On we IFC. We were the first filmed episode. We were the first in, filmed episode. In the episode. run of the show, we were actually further down, yeah. but we were the first filmed episode, so production was kind of a yeah, so we did that like in. <laughs> we filmed for three days, days, three days for a 22-minute run episode. Yeah. Anyway, wow. Three days. That's insane. We'd have to get into that. So there was a lot of exciting things that we did. We had a lot of fun shows. And so I used all my, so it was a great way for me to use my theater background, my performance background, and just play this really fun character uh, <laughs> that everyone really loved. They really loved yeah, us together. Really we had a little hobo prom pictures made, yeah. which I can send you. There, there's some throwbacks. And I did that for, I did that for a while, but I was so busy in school. I was doing musicals and I was doing operas and I was doing dance. I was dancing at one point, like, like three to four hours a day. And it was a lot. And, um, I transitioned in, you know, I was a production manager for my department in undergrad. And then all of my teachers said, Hey, you really need to do producing. You need to look into that. And I applied to 
California Institute of the Arts, which was in Southern California. So I was trying to go back. So I applied to two different schools. I applied to Cal State Northridge, which was in my hometown. Which is, is a good school, is, but it's, it's kind of down here. But it was also for like a PhD and master's right. program in theater history. And uh -huh. I got accepted to that. And I also got accepted into one of the top producing programs in the country. Yeah. Only four people get admitted a Cal, year. Cal Arts is the top of the And top. they're very avant-garde, right. very out there. Uh, we, You've seen some, he's seen oh, almost seen every that. show that I've done. Yeah. And so I decided to go that route. So it was a three-year program and I had to throw everything into that, right? I had to throw my whole, just all my being into going to grad school. And because I was producing huge shows every year with huge budgets, we were working with people from all over the world. And I was bringing, eventually bringing theater around the world and going on tour and doing that. And I went, obviously, to, went to Moscow for a while. I did. I went to Moscow. Um, I sent a show to Mexico and we were going all over the place and all over LA. And obviously Brandon was still pursuing wrestling and I always supported him. I always was like helped with merch and helped with kind of behind the scenes business aspect of it because I right. wanted to still be involved, but I really had to focus on the producing, but I always loved performing and being in front of a crowd. Cause that's, you can't really beat that. And in, in anything that you do, you really like the, the roar of the crowd, the clapping of the crowd, that's, what I love. Yeah, like that seems like there was a, that was a lot to juggle though, like between all of the schooling and all the pursuit of your education while also, mm -hmm. you know, helping him with his career while also sort of figuring out what you wanted. Like that's a lot, but at least, that's you know, just you were- her. That's just, that's normal <laughs> for her. She's got like seven projects right now. Like she's not, she is not okay sitting still. She cannot sit still. So no. she's been doing that sort of thing oh, as long life. as I've known her. Yeah. I mean, I would produce plays at Thanksgiving my like, God. when I was a kid. Even the, the oh my gosh. dance that we went to. Oh, yeah. Like, we went to a homecoming oh, a dance <laughs> when we were both in high school, but we weren't dating yet because we she had a huge crush on me. Um, and she had her sister ask me to the homecoming dance for her. And oh I, didn't really, I didn't have a crush on her. No, I had a crush he on liked her my sister. sister. Yeah. He oh my god. Yeah, I, I had a crush on her sister. Yeah. I made the right choice. Um, but that <laughs> like, even at the dance we were at, you were still yeah, working because still you working. produced. What did you? I produced the homecoming parade the whole, and the yeah. dance. So I was like the the producer of that when I was so 15, she was working years all old. night. I didn't think she yeah. liked me because she was working all night, and it felt like that's she just was my personality. No. But I didn't know that that's that if she doesn't do that, she'll just like burst into flame. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's basically me too. So I totally get it. Like you, you work so much that you don't have a life. You don't, you barely have a life. You don't have a work-life balance. It's just work balance. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Well, we're trying to get better at it because it's, it's important. It's so we're, work. we're learning as we're getting, as the years pass. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Many, <laughs> I'm trying many, to get better. <sighs> yeah. But, um, a question that I want to ask you, Brandon, is that since you um, started, you know, pursuing your career, like, and you were talking about how you came up with your character, the hobo, and she was basically like the hovet or whatever. Like, so did you, like, what exactly brought that idea to fruition? And 
how did you continue to keep that going for such a long period of time? Because I remember the first time I saw you, it was on After Buzz, and you would do the after shows for like SmackDown or sometimes for Raw or even for NXT. And I was in college at the time, so I was watching you guys on YouTube, and you just had this really crazy voice, and I was just like, you know what, this is amazing. And then they would talk about how you know you would all of your you know th all the things you would get into as the hobo. So how did you come? with that character and how did you say dedicated to it for so long so the the hobo character was actually a suggestion from ryan katz who's a longtime producer at wwe who was my mm -hmm. first trainer in la he mm -hmm. i don't know why he said it but he just was like why don't you just be a hobo and i'm like all right i can do that and then i did just a ton of research and just looked into what would a professional wrestling hobo look like what would he sound like what would what would he do how would he move you you treated it very much like an acting exercise right if you're gonna play a character you're gonna have to find everything about this person their backstory yes even the language you, you came up with the language well i didn't really come up with it i just researched the whole oh, language the language hobos have a, a whole language yeah. unto themselves so i i threw myself into it because when i was younger the wrestling that i liked was really character driven. Mm -hmm. It was, mm -hmm. I mean, granted, it's all athletic, right? But I liked, I liked the Real characters, characters and I liked how the different characters interacted with different characters and created different scenarios. That was really interesting to me. And then the way that they applied the character to their style in ring also was really interesting to me. So that's how I approached it. I just threw myself at, at that idea and did as much fleshing out of that character as I could, even including mm -hmm. the voice, which I will demonstrate for you now. This is how, <laughs> you know, I, I just came up for it. The story is, the story actually is when oh I was- God, I haven't heard that voice in so long. <laughs> Me neither. I'll just break it out randomly when you, I'm talking to myself. And you actually like my hobo impression. I love everyone's hobo impression. <laughs> I love it. The <laughs> compare the hobo's voice to Wolf the dog from the Muppets yes! is like my favorite thing. Uh, Sorry, but the way I came up with the voice was I was literally walking- so we had we worked we wrestled this little place in Van Nuys it's where we trained and to get to the front of the building to walk in for my first match we had to walk through this Cuban restaurant and I'm I'm walking through and just going I'm about to ask people for change and I'm like because hobo asked for change so it just made sense to me like I'm gonna go out beforehand and like talk to the audience which we knew like half of everybody in the yeah. audience because it was my first match and everybody wants to come see the first one. And I'm like, I can't just go up and ask for change just like this. It doesn't work. Mm -hmm. So I started, I started to think of what, what would a hobo sound like? What does a hobo sound like to me? And I, I picked up on Scruffy the janitor from Futurama. That's mm -hmm. the voice. Like he's, he's, it's a very flat voice, but it sounds very close to, to the hobo. So that was the first voice I picked. And over time, especially doing After Buzz, because I had to speak for so long and these long stretches of time, I had to figure out how to bring that voice up and down and give it some, some 
more life and more energy. So eventually, it just evolved into this thing. Now I can go up and I can go down. If I want to fight somebody, I'm getting down. Oh, we're going to be down here. But if, if everything's cool, man, then it's, it's up here. We're doing all right. What's the problem? We're all, we're all just giving take. We're chilling out. Like, that's that's the guy. And I, I go right into hobo brain whenever I do that voice because he he talks differently than I do like just it's it's a whole it's a whole other thing so I have like multiple people living inside of my head at any given time I can just bust them out <laughs> but that's cool though because creatively you know you're never the same thing like because like one minute yeah. you're a hobo then the next like right now you're boss banes like there's just right. so many different characters you could come up with at a certain time so that's never boring it's like exactly. I've, I've yeah, I find that a lot of wrestlers who are able to adapt to different characters never never get stale. You know, like yeah. they can always evolve that way. Shift, yeah, you yeah. can shift, and then you know, because you you change also your style of wrestling and just how you hold mm -hmm. yourself as right. as mm -hmm. you grow and your confidence and and just who you are. So changing kind of what you do uh, for you know in the ring and all of that or just in life it it, it changes like yeah. you just change as a person so yeah. it just makes sense that you can kind of evolve and kind of grab what you need to use at the time that you need to use it and i found a lot of success really early as the hobo because it was such a strong character and mm -hmm. nobody in southern california have. had anything like that not even close so it was and it got so that people really thought i was homeless like people genuinely oh. thought yeah, it was it was it was funny, but not funny because I wasn't trying to portray myself as homeless. I was right. just trying to portray myself as this idea. But then I ended up making uh, making friends with somebody who helped me do a a charity thing for a I think it was a feeding feeding America. So I ended mm -hmm. up doing some charitable work for feedingamerica.org, which kind of helped it helped kind of bridge the gap for me because it when you're playing a character the way that the way that you you do when you're playing it it's like really hardcore yeah. and it, a lot of people on tv who do characters on television Ooh. will tell you the same thing it's dark in there now yeah <laughs> see there you go with the punches yeah anyway you you get to know a character so well that you get to understand the the people that you're pretending to be and you have a lot of empathy for them so as, right. a, as a result i have a lot of empathy for people who are unhoused and i i do try to do a lot of charitable work that helps the unhoused because i think it's a it's just yeah. a, a crime it's an absolute travesty yeah. that people are unhoused and how they're treated is really terrible mm -hmm. um and we started working uh back in california we started working uh, well, I started first, like I did mm -hmm. like kind of like a business retreat uh, with mm -hmm. House California, which is for homeless youth. It's a it's a whole facility that houses 18 to 24 year olds. And I started working with them. I've worked with them for a really long time. And um, it was such an eye opening experience. And especially like since, you know, I, I feel like we, we were very lucky where obviously you were portraying the character. Right. But, we wanted to learn more and i yeah. wanted to know like especially in la there's so and many I never, unhoused i never wanted to be disrespectful with my portrayal it, at yeah. no right. was it was yeah. i trying to be the butt of the joke it was just right. it was it was just a a good way of being an underdog good that. guy yeah and so many of these people it's it's not 
their fault. So it's it's so difficult to to talk about these stories um, without getting emotional. But the, the, especially with Covenant House, so many of the the people that we ran into were were L, LGBTQ plus, and their families kicked them out of the house, and that's the reason they were homeless. Like the the stories that you would hear are really heartbreaking, tragic heartbreaking. and heartbreaking and it just makes you feel for them even more and and you end up asking yourself well what can i do to help yeah. how can right. i help and so we've we we always try to work charitably with with the uh with the unhoused community yeah that's beautiful because you know like it's like even playing a character is like you walk a mile in a person's shoes and then when you think about what it's like in real life for those for for people like that that go through those things it makes you it opens your mind and it opens your heart right and i'm glad that it did you know sort of offer you you know the opportunity to see how these people you know and the things that they're going through and sort of find ways to help them that's amazing i'm glad you guys did that like that's really that's really good heartfelt stuff there um so with of course the past few years you know we've been going through a pandemic of sorts you know from it hitting really heavy now to us sort of navigating our way sort of a little bit out of it how did you guys you know navigate that with your you know careers being as you know active as they are well I, it well, was hard it was hard <laughs> i mean I don't, so I had, I guess, two dual things happen at the same time. Right. Um, I mean, I, so like, I obviously went and had a very creative, you know, kind of uh, office job, producing job in LA. Um, and, you know, I was obviously started doing After Buzz TV and I started doing uh, championship Hollywood, championship wrestling from Hollywood. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. And I started doing, doing all of that while ba balancing my my other uh why did you start doing that i literally cannot remember why you started you decided to start so i started doing after buzz so but why um, even before then i remember you coming to me and going i want i want to start covering wrestling but yeah. i don't remember why that was so i did i never tell you this no you did i just don't remember no so i had a dream i had like so I was also super very, I was very unhappy in my job as well. Mm -hmm. And I've always wanted, uh, like I did acting like small shows here and there in LA, but I really wanted to like really go for, uh, go kind of bring my act, active acting and creative side out. And right. I remember it was, it was like the summer of 2000. 19 and i was like really going yeah. through like a crisis right like a a creative crisis a mental crisis just like having a really tough time figuring out what i'm supposed to do i wasn't getting the creative stuff oh, i needed oh, and yeah. i wasn't getting it was you stopped doing theater i stopped that doing theater funny. because i was so overwhelmed traveling with my job and doing all this stuff right that i was so overwhelmed focusing on that building a brand for for uh this company and i wasn't focusing on myself anymore and that was a big that was a big turning point for me and i had this very very vivid dream that i was hosting on tv and it was very mm -hmm. vivid it was like i was on there i was like had my hair done it, it was very vivid it was as if it was real and i woke up that day and i turned to him and i said this is these are the, the five things that i want right now and we're gonna make this happen and he said what are you sure and I said, yes, I want this. And we're going to start here. And I, you know, I'm a Virgo. 
And right. I said, we're going to do these things. And he said, are you sure? Well, it was also like, how do I get? And how do I get there? And I'm like, okay, and I can get you there. If that is yeah. what you want, but you have to really want it. You can't go in this half, halfway. If you're going right. to do it, you're going to do it 100%. Because I'm going to put my ass on the line for you. Yeah. you <laughs> that you want. He this. did say, he said, I'm going to put my ass on the line for you. You have to do it 100%. Yes. Full out. No turning back. And I said, I'm ready. I'm for, I'm ready for it. I'm going to do it. Let, let's do it. And so yeah. that's kind of how it all started. And, and, uh, yeah. and I guess, sorry, it's thundering out loud outside right now. Yeah. Um, and then that just kind of, it kind of happened from there. And then I made a plan and I made a one-year plan, a two-year plan, a three-year plan, mm -hmm. and I'm continuing to make my plans. And but then the pandemic hit. And, and then that, the pandemic that hit, changed. but that was right, right. <laughs> but what's interesting is, so I'm working from home. So you talked pandemic. Thank you for rounding back to that. And the pandemic hit. I'm like working from home. We're store crazy in a tiny one bedroom, a tiny closet of an apartment in Burbank. California. It was a great apartment. Beautiful I love apartment, that apartment. As long as we weren't in it 24 <laughs> seven, every, every single, single day. day. So we were. And we were getting stir crazy because yeah, we were traveling so much we would we wouldn't see, we wouldn't each, see other each other that much. Yeah, and then all of a sudden we're everything stops inside together, and, and we haven't done that ever. Nope, yeah. and that was really really that hard. was really hard. So anyway, it's really hard. So meanwhile, I'm balancing my work from home job in a tiny one bedroom apartment. Meanwhile, on calls like ten hours a day, and podcasting at night, and streaming, and trying to make content, and doing all of that. And we were filming the the live primetime live show yeah right. so we we did we were doing a live television show so i was doing that and i was the production stage manager for that and also on air we kind of did mm -hmm. a little bit of both again yeah. i can't just do one thing so i started doing that and then i was trying to do after buzz from remotely and doing as much as i could just as much as i could and then I guess we moved, and then I guess Texas. And then Texas, yeah. And then Texas happened, which I got an offer. Oh, I got lost my job, pandemic. Yeah, got laid Move. off. Laid off. And then, then I was like, all right, you want to go to Texas? Mm -hmm. um, and then I, well, prior to that, I actually started working with Mission Pro remotely right. here in Texas, and then we just started talking and talking, and then. Uh, I guess, should I tell the story? Do you want me to yeah. tell the story, Stephanie? Just, yeah, you can tell it. Okay, yeah. so, um, so, like, meanwhile, I got the offer to move to Austin, Texas. And uh, I was working. So I met Thunder Rosa a couple times. So I met her at After Buzz. We did an interview. I interviewed her. And then I met her at, at Primetime Live when she was the NWA champion. And I've known Thunder And you've known years. her for years. So I met her, and we were working backstage together. And we kind of started really kind of, we, we really connected uh, right off the bat and we bonded. And when I called her and said, it was like the, the December of 2020. And I said, Hey, how would you feel if I moved to Texas to Austin? And, you know, then I could like work for mission pro. <laughs> And just be there. And she said, yeah. And she just yells. She yells, <laughs> she yells at the phone. And she's like, we're going to take over the world. We're going to take over the world. Yeah. And I think that was the biggest reaction more than anyone else. Yeah, because we had we've only lived in L.A. <laughs> we've only lived so in, well, moving anywhere that wasn't L.A., especially yeah. to Texas, is is a, like, yeah. a massive culture yeah. shock. So Big she was so excited, show. and then I said, "Well," and then we talked about it, yeah. and then we moved to Texas, and yeah. then then 
than the whole Texas wrestling scene. But mm-hmm. anyway, yeah. what about you for pandemic career-wise? Uh, well, nothing on me. Right. <laughs> um, I mean, I was I was working on a couple of a couple of TV shows. Yeah, because you worked on primetime with me. I worked on I worked on primetime during the pandemic. During the yeah. pandemic. Um, but even before that, like. I was working steadily. I helped build Arizona. championship wrestling from Arizona. Yeah, that was that was a that was a baby that all of us kind of had collectively. Mm-hmm. And uh, Peter Avalon was was producing that show, and I, I, we were all working together and putting our energy into that. And unfortunately, like its last episode was right before the pan. It was what um, we were supposed to was- film an episode. Right, mm-hmm. that shutdown happened. Yeah, so, so the it, last it never happened. The last episode was February of 2020. Yeah, I remember because it comes up every year, the memory. Yeah. And we were supposed to film the 14th or whatever yeah, that whatever that Saturday yeah. was after we all shut down, the yeah. world shut down. We were supposed to film that weekend, yeah, and it, and it got shut down. So 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 much changed. Like the, I mean, granted, the opportunities became more limited. Um, well, that was loud. Wow, sorry, that was a huge. I don't know if you hear that, but that, that's... Yeah, I heard it. Um, anyway, uh, it just started to turn more into television. Like, everything became television, yeah. and, and I was doing no crowd matches, um, even before WWE started doing, don't touch it. Stop touching the mic. Even before, <laughs> why are you touching the middle of They're an saying... interview? It, we'll deal with it later. <laughs> oh my God. Well, anyway, it's been bothering me the whole time. Well, not now. Oh my god! <laughs> we were doing no crowd shows, and I was doing mm-hmm. I was doing a character at the time that was a real. He was a conspiracy theorist mm. because mm-hmm. I thought that was an interesting character to pursue. Because I am not a conspiracy theorist in any way, but I think the people who are are really interesting. So I made this guy a conspiracy theorist. And when the shutdown happened, all the conspiracy theorists went absolutely crazy. They all became way, way worse than they were previously. And all of a sudden, the character that I was playing wasn't fun to play anymore. It wasn't fun. I tried my best to to keep it going. But when Alex Jones said that he wanted to eat his neighbors, that was it. That was the the exact moment I went... I cannot pretend to be crazier than these people are literally crazy. And that's where the whole the whole character falls apart. The character is, I have to be crazier than the yeah. people I'm pretending to be. Like, nah. It's over. It's over. The bubble popped. Yeah. So I tried to kind of keep it going for as long as I could. And it, it limped along as, as well as it possibly could have. But then moving to Texas. Um, when did I, you start doing Strong? Strong? We well, we did. Strong. We did strong during during the the shutdown. I I have the date. I literally have the date on yeah, a don't, T-shirt. It, it all blends together. Right. I think we feel like we all lost time there, so right. we're like, what month? Yeah, we did. <laughs> yeah, New so Japan started doing its New television show their... with no crowd, and I was producing that because I I've been producing with New Japan in some capacity uh, for six years. Six years now. It'll be six years this year. Um, so I mean, it's just like that's it. Every just everything changed for everybody. But then moving to Texas, I I started to understand what people thought of people from California 
and that's where this this idea of the boss started to started to evolve. And I started to say, well, I don't have to like pretend to be a character anymore. If I just literally start speaking, I was training at Dog Pound uh, Dog Pound Wrestling, which is Rodney Mac and Jazz's mm-hmm. school. Yeah. And I would talk to the kids and they would just start laughing at yeah. some of the, the way I would say things and yeah. some of the stuff I would say. And I went, I don't really have to do a character to connect with these this audience. So maybe I'll just be basically me. <laughs> but, but you want it at such an elevated level. Right, it's like a right. ridiculous like, level. It, it Not, intentionally yeah. offensive there's instead so many, of accidentally offensive, which I, I am occasionally. Like we had to have this conversation because uh, there were certain things he would say. Like obviously he would take things and he's a character so it's over the top where it would literally be nails on a chalkboard for yeah. me. And like, I, he, just the phrase, so, I deserve the best. I deserve the best. What? What? <laughs> I deserve Stop. the best. There's just little things that drive me crazy. <laughs> but she had to deal with that internally because it was a trigger from oh past God. trauma oh that had nothing Whatever. to do with me. It had nothing to do with what I was well, oh, doing. She deep. had to deal with we're her own deep. her own emotions and her own baggage that had nothing to do with me. <laughs> I think we're done here. Stephanie, we're done. <laughs> no. <laughs> we're, we're done. done. We're done. No, no we're done. Emily, no. The rain. No, no. We're done. When I say we're finished, this is my show. Okay. <laughs> you go, girl. You're like, it's my show. That's right. This is my we're show. <laughs> but yeah. All right. But yeah, like. Um, y'all are so funny. Um, it's just like a lot of people were having to sort of, you know, find a way to still be active, even with the pandemic. Cause it's funny mm-hmm. when I think about it, like I started this show, you know, the month before it happened. Oh, so man. it was just kind of like, you know, after that point, you know, if, if I did not have this entity at this show as it is, I would not have really like had anything to really work on at that point. Cause I was just like, bro, like where's all this creative energy going to go besides exactly. working and stuff. Exactly. So you I was just to, like, you have to build it was, yourself up, not other yeah, you do. time. Because if you're working yeah. for whatever company and whatever life, not just wrestling, not just wrestling, but you're building other people up, you're making them money. But how do you, build yourself up and make yourself the best person you can be and do stuff that makes you happy. I think the biggest thing the pandemic taught everyone is you have to do what makes you happy. Life is way too short and just, you have to go for it. I mean, we started, so, um, so we started a a pro wrestling pets show because during the pandemic, Mm -hmm. um, it kind of came out of women's wrestling talk and then I branched out on my own, but literally every animal, would pop up on the screen when we would do interviews and mm-hmm. it was, it made everyone so happy to see their dogs and cats and other animals, rabbits. And it was just a perfect thing to say, Hey, we're going to have some, some heartwarming content during the pandemic when we're all stuck inside. So we had some amazing interviews and um, it, it, that was kind of how I d- dealt with it as well as I, I, I started doing cooking shows and cooking segments. And I, still I was do. the one producing and, the, all of the stuff that she was doing because yeah. she would come to me and go, I want to do this. And then this. from a technical standpoint, yeah. I go, okay, so how do we make yeah. this work? Like even today, like I oh had to God, figure out so how to get this microphone set up so that we could both be on screen Ooh. together. 
because like we we're in our studio like this is mm -hmm. obviously of the front room of our yeah. house but this is also the we have a green screen that you can't see that right here we have box mm -hmm. lights everywhere we have we yeah. have a whole bunch of equipment and it's like the, we work together to create all the stuff that that we wanted to make like yeah. she wanted a cooking show so i said okay this is how we would make a cooking show. And I watched uh, Julia Child, old Julia Child clips. But like from behind the scenes, like, did you know they made like a huge mirror on the ceiling so that you could see her hands see while she's cooking? No. And they would actually shoot up and a mirror would be mm -hmm. would be uh, focusing on her hands. You're like so I, had to, I had to like You're figure so out. All, I actually love that. I know. I know. But we, all this stuff we, would we had watch to like the, the daytime TV of like yeah. all the morning news segments and yeah, we still all do. of that. Because my, you know, one of my goals is to be on you know daytime tv yeah. have my own talk show yeah. have my own cooking show watch a lot of pbs um, we watch pbs yeah, pbs because so, everything's on a shoestring budget which is yeah, basically which is what us. we're working with <laughs> so seeing what their content looks like is like okay well how can we replicate this so mm -hmm. i'm looking at shots and stuff yeah. like that so like he's he's also so he's such a creative creative mind behind the scenes and then uh and then i go on camera and do my little dance pretty much yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, Brandon, what I want to ask you is the fact is since you've, you know, been in wrestling, you've been featured on a lot of different shows with a lot of different roles, like backstage hand, security, all of the things. So what would you say is your favorite experience doing something, um, doing anything like that when it comes to television or even in the independent stuff? Uh, I'd say that my best experience was probably wrestling on NXT against Mustache Mountain. That was probably my best experience because it was it felt really natural in a strange way um, because I had I had already won some tag team championships at that point. I had won and lost them. So when I well, thank you very much. Uh, <laughs> so when I won and lost, won and lost. Um, so when I went in, it was. It was a process that I knew really well from having done TV for years with with Dave Marquez. Um, that whole process got me comfortable with knowing how how this whole thing was going to work. Being able to work with the talent, being able to work with the it producer, it set you it up really for success. Does, it really it does. And television television wrestling is the same wherever you go. It is. Uh, pretty much exactly the same. So if you do it in one place, you can do it in other places. And it was it was the most comfortable I, I had felt in a long time because it was just like, okay, I know what's going to happen. This is what I have to do. This is how we do this. I'm going to make this. I'm, it, it was just it was so easy. And I really I I loved being able to go into that that whole thing and just feel comfortable when you're at that high level and you walk in and you're you're just comfortable with whatever's going to happen i i think it's it's a fantastic feeling because it it shows that you've done the work mm -hmm. you've put in all the work and the effort and what you get out of it is the freedom to just work in the moment and i think that was that was exactly what happened i knew what i was doing and it felt it felt so comfortable yeah. um, i mean the lesson there that i try to do all the time mm -hmm. and, and keep which i learned from theater and i learned from uh, you know, interviewing everyone and, and starting podcasts and just working behind the scenes in any situation is that preparation meets yeah. opportunity. That's right. Definitely. You have to be, ready. You you have have to be, be ready, ready when that opportunity comes or else it's going to pass you by. 
Why are you so, so mad? You're I'm not. I'm not mad. This is just how I talk. This is just who I am. so loud. You have, you have to be ready. He's very passionate. He's you got to be ready. You're I'm ready. ready. <laughs> He's just very passionate. Like, I get it. It's okay. People tell me that all the time. I didn't remind. No, I love this. Okay. Don't rip it. Don't rip it. Sorry. I thought, like, I thought we were going to do Best chili dogs wow. in the valley. Cupid's hot dogs, man. Best hot dogs in the valley. Okay. It's all right. Calm down. <laughs> I'm hungry. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. Yeah. I'm derailed there. <laughs> but yeah, it's just like, I can only imagine what Wrestling Mustache Mountain was like. They are a killer tag team. Like, I loved watching them wrestle um, in NXT UK and just seeing what the type of stuff that they're both doing now separately. It's just like mm-hmm. cool. Yeah, like, you have Tyler Bate, who's still yeah, in NXT. I remember watching that moment at home mm-hmm. and I was so excited. And it's just because I've been there since the the seed was planted of like, Mm -hmm. Hey, we're going to do this. We're going to do this together. And so seeing Mm -hmm. him on a platform like that was just really like, it got me all crying, you know, me, a Virgo. And (laughs) it just was really, it just, it made it, it it made the hard moments worth it. When you get a little moment like that, that Mm -hmm. just kind of makes it, even if it just proves that, Hey, I can do this. Yeah. That's, that's, you can take that home with you. Yeah. And that I've got, I'm lucky that, all of the work that I've done have have I've acquired skills that I can use in any company anywhere mm-hmm. in the world, and it's helped me at Mission Pro. When I'm helping people produce matches at Mission Pro, I can explain to them, you know, this is this is the goal, this is what we're trying to achieve, and help help them like others have helped me to be the best version of themselves that they can be. Like others have tried to help me in the past, so that's that's always my We're goal. Trying to pay to it forward, just, absolutely. Because you know? like, we've been in this for so long, you know. We I'm already pay it seeing forward. the next generation. Mm-hmm. Like this is my uh, this is my 14th year. I'm already seeing the next generation. I'm right. seeing and meeting people who used to watch me on TV when they were literally <laughs> children. <laughs> It's weird. It's that was a really moment. Weird. That was a moment. A full-grown man with yep. a beard walked up to me and said, "Hey, man, I used to watch you when I was a kid, and you were my favorite wrestler." And I went, "Oh my god, I'm old. What happened to me?" Oh. <laughs> but uh, I look good. I look all right. Yeah. You're I'm, good. I'm You're holding all right. Up. I'm yeah, you. Yeah, you guys age pretty well. You know, you guys age pretty well. You guys don't look whatever your ages are. Um, <laughs> yeah, we're good. We, don't, we can move on. Yeah. I don't, <laughs> like, but yeah, it's just, it's wonderful that you are able to see, you know, all of your hard work sort of, you know, coalesce into the next generation. Like, that's really cool. So, Emily, how is it that you found um, women's wrestling talk? And um, how did you hook up with TK Trinidad, our fabulous CEO, and Sarah the Rebel and create and basically help to, you know, create what it is that Women's Wrestling Talk is now, which is a thriving institution? Yeah. Well, it started well, off as a prank. Sh- okay. I'll tell this. You're, I'm still mad at you. I can't tell you. Okay. I'm still mad at you. I get to see. It was my question. She it was your it question, me. but I, I, it was my prank. So it was so. his prank. Okay. Oh, wow. So it's After Buzz TV, Women's Wrestling Talk was originally called Women's Wrestling Weekly. Yeah. Right. Okay? That's right. So that was what the original show was called. And when I went to him and said, hey, I want to join After Buzz. I'm going to do all these things, blah, blah, blah. We're going to make it happen. 
And he said, okay, well, I'll reach out to my friend TK, who right. I used to do, I think he did Raw. Yeah, we did Raw. We did a bunch of different We did a bunch of wrestling after shows. Primarily Raw. Yeah. Primarily Raw. You were in the trenches. Everywhere. And he said, oh, let me reach out to her and see if she has an opening for the women's show because you're going to be great on that. It's going to be a great platform for you. Mm-hmm. Anyway, long what story. What was the first show you covered? Uh, I don't remember, but it's Was Raw. it Raw? I think it was Raw. No, it was NXT. Was it? No, really? Yeah, she was NXT. NXT. Oh, yeah. right, because we had. So yeah. I showed up on. It was NXT day. So was it Tuesday or Wednesday, Wednesday. at that time? It was Wednesday. It was Wednesday at that time. It was yeah, Wednesday it was at Wednesday. that time. Okay, mm-hmm. everything's blending together. Uh, so Wednesday, and he said, "Oh, you should just show up at the studio. Just show up to the Afterbus studio. Try to talk to her, you know." But I thought I went in there, and this tells you, like, so I went in there and I see. Oh, no, TK wasn't even sitting out there yet. No. So I walk in. I'm like, hey. And I asked for TK. And she walks out. And she's, like, whispering to people. And she's, like, looking at me. So she comes out. She looks at me. And she's like, hey. And so, like, we, I kind of introduced myself. But I didn't introduce myself as, hey, I'm Brandon's wife. Because no one introduces themselves like that. And I'm just we, like, don't, I'm we, Emily. Don't, we don't say that we're married. We never say, yeah, we in, never when say we're, we're in, married. In a business like setting yeah. we don't we don't say that we're not like making out in no. the you know backstage not often <laughs> what <Not> <laughs> uh so i go and it was a very awkward very awkward interaction and i sit with tk and i think a few other after buzz hosts and they're watching the nxt so we wa- we got to watch the show before it was live right. so we right. knew what was happening so they're watching it and this was a two-hour show at that point or an hour an, an hour. hour it was an hour an hour yeah. and they're like, oh, hey. And they're like kind of talking to me. Everyone else is being nice and TK is being quiet. And TK said, like, who is this chick? Why is she showing up? And it was George. It was George. Yeah, it was George. George it Hermosa. Was Hermosa, George who Hermosa. is a huge wrestling fan at After Buzz. He's like an encyclopedia of knowledge. Mm-hmm. He taught me a lot too. Yeah. He comes up and he knows me from Hollywood and obviously being married to Brandon. And he's like, oh my God, the hobo's wife. <laughs> And gives me a big old hug. And TK turns to me and is like, why didn't you tell me? <laughs> he so didn't, her, so so I, he didn't I told say TK anything. Somebody was coming. He didn't say anything. I said, hey, can, can oh you do you have an extra spot? Oh, and and she said, yeah. But I never told he didn't TK say anything. that it was it was my He wife didn't say anything. Because I wanted her oh, to put herself in a so in a good spot. Without needing me to pave yeah, the way, yeah. in my in my own way, it was it was me asking her, "How bad do you want this?" Because I knew I know TK really well, and I knew she wasn't necessarily going to be exactly warm and fuzzy to somebody coming in that she doesn't know. I know TK, so I I put her in the seat, but I didn't exactly so you know roll out the red carpet. So he threw me under the bus. No, no. And TK messaged him (laughs) while we're sitting there watching. So I got heat from both sides. So you got heat from both I got yelled at from TK and I got yelled at from her. So, because she said she would have been totally cool with it and, and said, I Hi. didn't want that. <laughs> so that's how it happened. And then yeah. and then long story short, like TK and I, uh, there wasn't really um hosts, uh like a lot of wrestling female hosts that wanted to be a part of this. So she brought me on board. We started doing interviews in the studio. Pandemic happened, we kind of rebranded a little bit. We obviously ventured away from Afterbuzz TV studios. Mm-hmm. 
and the network and just kind of branched out on our own. And we just built the brand. And then Sarah came on, I think, mid-pandemic while mm -hmm. we were trying to rebrand and figure things out. And so she came on for a little bit and we did that for a while. Um, and she was like one of the original, original hosts at AfterBuzz for yeah, a little, for a short I, time. I've known her for a long time from a lot of different yeah. places. So we, so then we just all started doing that. And, and then now it obviously is, is what it is now. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, that was really the opportunity at AfterBuzz. And then, then they put me on every after show for wrestling and all the Royal Rumble, the WrestleMania did every, every show. And then I did the, the Golden Globes and I did a bunch of other um, stuff outside of wrestling. Cause like just entertainment and, and all of that was, was obviously what I loved as well. So I did a bunch of Netflix shows too. Yeah, so right, I did a, yeah. so many after shows. There was some, some was like pretty much every day. Portfolio. Yeah. Pretty much every day I you did had, a different one. You had to one. do more than just wrestling. You have to yeah. diversify your portfolio. Exactly. So mm -hmm. yeah. Anyway, that's a, that's a long, I don't know if we answered your question. Oh, that answered it. Yeah. Yeah. You basically yeah, you basically answered it. Yeah. That answered yeah. it. Well, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, because the thing about, you know, whenever I would watch After Buzz, it's just like I was thinking like a part of me was wondering, like, are these just ordinary people? But then as you guys started to talk more about what you guys did, you know, I was just like, OK, so they work in wrestling or they're just, hosts, or, you know. Yeah, but it's just like, when I saw it, I just thought it was the most fascinating and coolest thing I'd ever seen. And I'm just like. I okay, I've never said this, but I think at one point I actually tried to apply for After Buzz at one point. Oh, cool. okay. I, I was all the way in Kentucky, you know, at this point, you know, Dude, working on my degree. I really did try and yeah. I but I never heard back. But either way, I was just like, you know what, well, let me just do this. Do but I didn't think moved. Um I was also a writer for After Buzz as well. But a mm -hmm. lot of people moved from Canada and other places. Yeah. And other um, other countries, other states, cities to move to LA to, yeah. to be at AfterBuzz. Like it was, it wow. was a really big network. I mean, there was they had, a genuine, they had a genuine pipeline mm -hmm. to some major companies. Yeah, they did, including I mean, WWE. Like, so right, I wouldn't. Yeah, MTV, E Entertainment Network, mm -hmm. like all of these. Like this was a pipeline. Like I have always watched the red carpets, like ever since I was a kid, like my mom would watch every award show. And I always told my mom, I'm going to be, an, I'm going to interview on the red carpet one day and I'm going to do all these things. And she said, Oh, I totally can see you there. And um, I, I was like, I'm either accepting an award or I'm going to be on the red carpet or yeah. both. <laughs> and it was definitely like, it's definitely still in my pipeline and still in my, in my uh, manifesting in my dreams. So um, and that was kind of a way that I got into it. I was doing red carpet training while like right as the pandemic happened and they shut down all the red carpets. And then that took, that was a huge industry that took a big hit and mm -hmm. they had to, they're still coming back and yeah. they, um, they're still adjusting to kind of the whole virtual, virtual interviews and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but it's just like through all of that and with your work with Women's Wrestling Weekly, which became Women's Wrestling Talk, like through you guys, you know, doing the rebranding and everything, it was able to open the doors for, you know, hosts like me who were just starting, even though I wasn't exactly sure because I was only doing my this show on audio and I just didn't know anything about video at that certain point. But I was just like, OK, well, let me just try. And because I just tried, you know, I'm a part of the network and I've learned so much from you and I've learned so much from TK and Sarah who is also you know Razor on WoW Superheroes oh, wow. just want to plug yeah. that plug that plug that but yeah um it's just I've learned so much from you guys you know 
from your journalistic perspectives and from your entertainment stuff that I've applied to my own show and to my own thing that continues to help me to grow every, every single month or a few months or whatever. And I've had all these opportunities and met so many amazing people and I'm just really grateful for it. And that happens through the hard work that you did and through the hard work that Brandon has done as well. And you guys helping each other with that. So with moving forward, something that the reason why this interview is even happening is because of the fact that you guys were on Battle in the Valley in so many different ways in talking about your hard work. And this was a really big event because of the fact that not only did you have, of course, the IWGP Heavyweight Championship on the line, you had a really high profile match with Miss Mercedes Monet, who is my fave, as you can see in the background, <laughs> um, battling Kyrie for the IWGP women's title. Tell me what what was that like, you know, producing it and also being a part of the press conference component of it as well with doing interviews backstage afterward and before and all that. Like, what was that like? I mean, how was your interview? <laughs> <I'm just kidding. laughs> um, well, I... So I'm very lucky that I get to be a part of New Japan and right. there's not a lot of women on the production team and a part of the, the organization on the, the U.S. side. And so I'm just very blessed. Like every day where I'm like, oh, I get to go to every time I, I get news that I get to go to a show and be a part of it. I'm super excited. And we I stayed up for two days straight for Wrestle Kingdom this year and I watched oh, yeah. I, well, I was very tired and I covered it and I wanted to really see what was going to happen. And when Mercedes debuted, I was so thrilled and so excited for the opportunity that she would be here in the United States. And then they announced, obvious, obviously, she was going to be at Battle in the Valley. And just as someone who is a, a woman in the business who you know, is in a very male-dominated industry... I was so excited to see her shine in many ways and it just was thrilling. I mean, I, I, I'm trying to find the words, but it was thrilling to, to be there and to even just have a small part in it. You know, I'm not, I, I don't consider myself a big part of it. I just try to help manage kind of the, the, the operation side of it and try to make fans have a good time and just share that the show's happening. And I was just so blessed that they asked me to be, to lead the press conference. And which I don't know if that's ever, I, I don't know. I still am like, did has this, ha did this happen? Yeah, <laughs> I'm like, did, did this happen? happen. I mean, I was so yeah. honored and um, I didn't really talk about it. I didn't tell people really ahead of time because I was so, <laughs> I was so nervous. I was like, okay, I got to keep it together. Um, and there was this moment that I'm going to, that I'll share that when we were doing the press conference and there was Mercedes, I think I shared it with you privately, mm -hmm. but there was Mercedes and Kyrie and I standing there. So there was, there was three women representing New Japan in kind of a public arena. And right. it just was a really kind of private, kind of pivotal moment in my in my heart and in my soul that was really special that I, that I felt like I was making a difference in a small way that this was representing a bigger, something bigger than myself. And just being there for the match was obviously incredible. The crowd was so into it and it was very special. And both of them had such respect and such care for them 
for each other in that match. Like they really took care of each other. And mm-hmm. I mean, even though they, I mean, they, they beat the absolute they beat hell the, out of they each beat other. The, they see, did. <laughs> but in the sense of like, they supported each other. Like they knew that this was a big deal. Yes. And so that's what I meant by that. Yeah. And, you know, and I saw, I saw obviously, uh, behind the scenes moments that were really impactful. And we saw the backstage comments that Mercedes gave, and it really is a new, a new era of new Japan, especially with her involved. And I can't wait to see the women grow in, in this company. Yeah. And I, I'm just blessed that I get to have a small part in it. I mean, it's, I, I can tell you, and I th- think I'm okay in, in sharing this with you that the, we mm-hmm. the company has been trying to add women in some capacity since about 2018 through 2019 some mm-hmm. so been been about that long for us to get to this point now nothing happens quickly and the pandemic definitely didn't yeah. help anything yeah. um, but they the company uh, or companies rather have yes. been working together under the bushi road umbrella who is the parent company that owns both of our companies uh, to try and make uh, shows that have both men and women on the show. And it has been, it has been difficult. Um, but I think it's, it's only possible because of the United States. I really feel like there is a special energy that exists Mm -hmm. in the United States. Um, and this is also from a company perspective, they feel like anything is possible here. Mm-hmm. So they're willing to take chances and to do more in the United States than they would be willing in, in Japan. And there's a fan energy here in the United States that, mm-hmm. that especially coming out of the pandemic, that has been wanting and craving more New Japan wrestling and mm-hmm. wanting more of these matches because it's very different than anything you see. And we really felt that as we started coming out of kind of strong tapings and getting audiences back. And we really felt that as we started building these shows right. and building champions and building and traveling big across moments. the country, like and different seeing cities, different, different cities, cities and what they react yeah. to and how, and, and which audiences follow the, the, the branding and, mm-hmm. and all that. And it's, it's, it's been really eye opening yeah. to see that Japanese style wrestling can work on a national level. Yeah. And there's a lot of, a lot of, uh, people inside the wrestling industry that don't believe it can work, but I completely disagree with that premise because Japanese professional wrestling, New Japan specifically, is traditional professional wrestling. Whatever you whatever you see, I can guarantee you that its base, at its very base, right. is traditional yeah. professional wrestling uh, laid down by Gotch when they train in the dojo. They go off of what uh, what the uh, Gotch Bible says. That is their basis for training in wrestling. So everything springs up out of that. Everything has a traditional base, more traditional than any other organization in the United States, probably any other organization in any other country. 
Yeah. New Japan Pro Wrestling has a basis in traditional professional wrestling, which, in my opinion, is what makes it so good. Once you have that strong foundation, you're able to build something that is so strong that it it is un, it is unshakable, and you can see the difference, and you can experience the difference, and you that is why yeah. what you see is so unique when compared to any other brand of professional wrestling. And and I've been going down just this rabbit hole of just all of these these matches and these matchups and 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 I was new obviously I Brandon's worked with New Japan for a really long time and I I worked on and off like I've done merchandise for them I've done uh, front of house staff I've done ops I've done social media so I've done like different roles and so the what was exciting about that and me like and us working together and doing shows together is like I could go and. and do my research and look up all these matches from years ago of these, these wrestlers that I get to meet and these wrestlers that I get to work with. And, um, it, it really did when we were doing strong tapings, it really did feel like we were a family because we all saw each other on the road. We all saw each mm -hmm. other kind of, uh, exhausted and, and then, but also excited for the show. And it really felt like we were all working for the same, the same purpose was to, to entertain fans and put on a good show. Very much had a team atmosphere. For sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's great that that you guys had that, you know, family atmosphere and you guys have a great working environment because that definitely helps when you're doing something that you love that you're not going to a place that's toxic. Um so I'm glad that you guys are dealing with that. And then on top of that, you guys are a part of something special because New Japan is growing here in the United States and expanding to a new audience. Because what I can say is this, though, when Mercedes announced that she was coming to New Japan and she was fighting at Battle in the Valley, that was the first New Japan pay-per-view I ever ordered in my life. Oh, so really? I was just like, hey, yeah. You're not alone. You're not alone. We had so I, many I, it is, it's pretty yeah. much that, that match sold mm -hmm. out the sold building. Sold it, yeah. Sold out the building. Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, it, it broke. Like, we broke the internet. Yeah, that's why the <laughs> You guys was. did break the internet. It was yeah. like all day. Yeah. It was an all-week thing. on at once. <laughs> yeah, and so it was just like, with that being the first time i ordered that pay-per-view and actually watched it it i learned that there was like a different culture behind it and there's a different you know way of doing things that they do it you know like there's a 20 count instead of a 10 count and yeah. some and little things like that um but i appreciate that because you know wrestling is a really is a really big atmosphere so it's just like the idea that there's so many diverse ways to do this one amazing sport is just really cool and then on top of that with all that history being made with the women with um new japan and starting with their women's division you know starting and with mercedes when they now at the helm as the champion it's only going to get bigger from there and then you have all the other stars from japan who want to fight her for the title it's only going to get bigger and you guys are a part of that change and are a part of that shift and that is a very amazing thing that you guys get to feel cool about you know because Brandon I was so excited when I saw you on the floor you know overseeing everything I was just like look at him go like that's so messaged, cool she messaged yeah. me saying I see I see Brandon I'm like yeah I see <laughs> him all the time like, yeah, he's, he is all over this and you yeah. had you had such a great tableau over i think it was jay white oh, it was the jay white, it was the jay white kingston yeah. match yeah. and um i also by the way i love eddie kingston uh and jay white and i <laughs> i, I might have cried a couple times 
Um, oh. in a couple of those matches. And the Fred, Fred Rosser <laughs> match, I cried. Oh, Fred. Uh, Fred, I that cried. Was, uh, I, I'm getting choked up because he is one of my favorite people mm-hmm. in the whole world. He is one of, I don't know why I'm crying right now. <laughs> uh, he is one of my biggest supporters. And yeah, we, really go, we go all the way back from Southern California. And so uh, yeah. he is one of those people that always gives me a big old hug at tapings. And he, when, when, I moved into kind of back into backstage interviews. He was so excited for me and he just, he just kept kind of breaking the fourth wall. And I was like, you gotta stop breaking the fourth wall. Yeah. Because um, if you watch the, the, press, watch conferences the press conferences in Japan, no me. one ever talks to the person introducing yeah. everybody. Nobody does, <laughs> but everybody wants to talk to Emily. Emily, I see you over there. Like, like Fred yeah. started talking to me, and then Clark started talking to me, and I'm like, Eddie, hey, guys. Eddie was talking. Eddie, was to talking. Well, Eddie interrupted like, me. Eddie that interrupted was different. You. But everyone started talking to me. I was like, guys, this is not how the press conference is supposed to work. This is America. <laughs> this is America. <laughs> and I just was like, all right. I said, I'm going to roll with the circus. I'm going to just go with whatever happens. Yeah, really. <laughs> but anyway, I, I, I love Fred, and, and it was such a special – it was – it was a pivotal show for many people. I know there was new champions and mm. and things like that, and and yeah. the the Jay White not returning, obviously to New Japan, and then obviously Mercedes. And it was, it was, and it really, was a very emotional for, night for, for all me. Of us. It was really interesting watching Mercedes finally in that environment because I knew what a huge uh, New Japan fan she was mm-hmm. over the years. Watching her mm-hmm. in WWE, I knew she was taking stuff that she saw on New Japan World and was applying it directly to the stuff that she was doing in WWE. So I knew going into this what it meant to her and being able in some some small way to help her realize this dream of hers was, was very fulfilling for me. Yeah, and I think everyone, yeah. felt, everyone felt that energy and felt going in how special this was and that we all just were like trying to make dreams come true that day, whether it was fans watching Mercedes for the first time in a really long time, have a match, whether it was, uh, you know, a, a, a little boy or little, little girl seeing, you know, Eddie Kingston in the ring or, or Jay White or Fred Rosser and, and imagining themselves in the ring one day, like we, we just try to make dreams come true. And then, and she had her dream come true mm-hmm. that night. Yeah. Yeah, it was a beautiful night. It was late, but you know, on our end here in Alabama. But either way, it was worth it. Yeah, I can only imagine having to work it. But either way, it was still a beautiful, you know, display of what wrestling is all about. That whole that whole day, honestly, between Elimination Chamber and that, like it was just a lot to deal with. But either way, I was so happy to see your faces you know, in it. And I was just like, oh my God, is them. Like, I just love seeing people that I know, you know, working in these big places because it makes me believe in my, in my own self. And it makes me feel like, well, I can do this too. If the people in my life and the people that I love, you know, can do it as well. So what would you guys say that the future holds for you both? What do you think? (laughs) I think we're going to take over the world. I think, yeah. No, I, I really think yeah, so. Yeah, I think I think that I am going to be everywhere soon. Yeah. I yeah. think I'm going to be everywhere soon. I think between the two of us, we already are everywhere. Mm-hmm. It's just the, mm-hmm. the amount of involvement that we have in, in all of these different wrestling endeavors is going to increase. Yeah. And that's what happens when you're a professional and you're at the top of your field. Is people come to you and say, well, can you do this? Can we... Can we have your help on this thing and absolutely and i'm going to continue to wrestle and i'm going to continue to produce 
it's this is I see professional wrestling as my career. This is my career, and it has been whatever since day one. And that includes being in the ring, and that includes being backstage and helping with whatever capacity that is. Yeah. Like mm -hmm. on even Saturday, in a couple of days, I'm about to wrestle Rodney Mack, yeah. which is a huge opportunity. I Yo. Rodney Mack when I was yeah. a kid. Rodney Mack. Hell yeah. yeah now huge. I get to wrestle him. Yeah. That's a huge opportunity for me. And when yeah. I get when I beat Rodney Mack, then oh. I guess I'm like oh. the, the king of Texas top, or whatever. Top dog in, uh, <laughs> in Texas. That's right. For me, I really feel like I'm going to have some red carpets happening. I don't know when this is airing, mm -hmm. but I'm going to have some red carpets happening in the future. Mm -hmm. um, hopefully in the near future. And I'm going to have my own TV show and I will be a broadcaster in a big company. And you're going to see me on daytime TV or, yeah. or late night. Maybe I'll yeah. do some late night TV. And wherever she goes, Emily's go. out. Emily wherever, May's wherever out. She goes. Yeah. <laughs> and I'll bring him along. Make sure you can make sure everything's set up right. We're a team. We're, we're a, a team. Team Taylor. That's right. Um, hey. <laughs> so well, I, I really feel like the world is is our oyster right now. I feel like we're on a we're on just this really great path. And um, you know, it's been a really hard six months just personally with a lot of just like financial stuff and mental stuff and health and gonna cry again. No, I'm fine. And and just <laughs> job stuff. And so when when you have so many negative things come at you for so long, and then all of a sudden you have a good thing happen. And you have a few other good things you kind of worry a little bit but then you just keep pushing and want more good things so that's what i'm working for is i want more good yeah. more positive more happy moments in our life yeah and i'm all about the fight i'm all about fighting and, through it whatever, well, you're fighting whatever stuff I'm there happy. is you just fight you gotta fight <laughs> keep punching and punching and good. punching and eventually you can knock down whatever wall is in your way as mm -hmm. long as you just keep hitting it and hitting it and hitting it no matter right, what, I can't punch. I'm not a puncher. You are not a puncher. You're definitely a lot, a lot nicer. You'd make friends with the wall. You definitely break the wall into a door. Eventually, you would talk the wall into a door. Whereas I'm going to keep punching and punching out. and punching and punching, and eventually the, the wall just comes crashing down. And I that's, might that's, talk your ear off a lot. Yes, I might have, talk your ear we off. We have different different yeah. management styles. We definitely have different ways of approaching things, yeah. but we respect each other in that way. Do we? Yes, oh. we, we do. <laughs> I respect you. I respect. As long as you respect me, do you respect me? I do. Okay. Say it into the microphone. You said it a little further away. I respect you. There we go. I so just, yeah, <laughs> I just have to see his reaction. There's see, respect. we've known each other so long that we can do that to each other. <laughs> Yes, you guys are just so precious, and I'm so happy you guys have each other. I'm happy you guys have each other to, you know, pull each other through the hard times and through the good times. So thank you guys so much for coming on the Hardy Wrestling Podcast and talking about your love for wrestling and for each other. So tell everybody. Podcast ever. I think I think it's one of the best no. ones. Like we definitely talked a lot. We got a lot of good sound bites. Yeah, but we're a good interview. But Stephanie's like, this was always supposed to be twenty minutes. No, no, no. Like usually, 
Usually it goes over an hour, so it's okay. okay. Like oh, this good. is we're right on time. I was worried. Right I was worried. No, 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 no. I don't just I don't just do 20 minutes with people. Like that's something else that I've learned how to do is shorten things to what 20 minutes. Because because oh, yeah. oh gosh, you need to go long when you're talking a lot, but then you yes. gotta learn how to like condense it yes. and, and really get to the, the heart of the matter. That both mm-hmm. those things are really important to learn how to do. You're doing a good job. You keep it up. Thank you're doing you. a good job. Thank you so much. So tell everybody where they can find and follow you and what you've got going on. All right. Well, you can follow me on all social platforms at Emily May Heller. And just follow me on Instagram all over because I have tons of new things and exciting things happening. And the next six weeks are going to be so busy, but I'm excited. So follow me for all of my fun announcements. And yeah, your turn. For me, you can follow me on all social media at Baines Destroy. Saturday, I'm going to be at Branded Outlaw Wrestling in San Antonio, wrestling Rodney Mack. Rodney Mack. It's going to be dope. I'm going to beat him. It's going to be great. And then uh, WrestleMania weekend, I've got uh, the Ringmaster book uh, debut. It's really interesting. Like, there's a book that somebody wrote about Vince Mm -hmm. McMahon, and they're going to have wrestling at the book release. And I'm going to be wrestling on that. Then the next night is Wrestling Pro Wrestling. Brian Kendrick's Wrestling Pro Wrestling cannot overstate how great that show is and how important that show is to me. And then Mitzvah Mania on uh, Sunday, April the 2nd. It's yep. the first all Jewish professional wrestling show in Los Angeles, and I'm going to be on that. Too. So that's that's going to be dope. So yeah, I got a lot going on, and so stay to my social media at Baines Destroy for all that. You're so busy. Woo! I'm busy. I'm busy. Woo! It's good. I'm tired. It's a good thing. Yeah, that's going to be a busy weekend for all of us. So <laughs> yeah, WrestleMania, gotta love it because that is on the horizon. But of course, you know, you can follow me, your girl, Stephanie Hardy on Instagram and Twitter at Queen Steph Hardy and follow and listen to the Hardy Wrestling Podcast everywhere you get your shows and subscribe on the YouTube channel for this interview and many other interviews and other full episodes as well. So until next time, this is your girl, Stephanie of the Hardy Wrestling Podcast. Bye, y'all. Bye-bye. Bye.